Abolition. Abolition. Come down from that mountain, Harriet. Come down to the valley at night. Come down to your weeping people and be their guiding light. Sing deep river. Don't you want to cross over today? Sing deep river. Don't you want to walk on freedom's way? I stole down in the nighttime. I come back in the day. I stole back to Maryland to guide the slaves away. You better run, brave Harriet. There's ransom on your head. You better run, Miss Harriet. They want you live or dead. I've been down in the valleys yonder and searching around the stills. They got a posse after you riding through the hills. They got bloodhounds smelling. They got their guns cocked too. You better run, bold Harriet. The white man's after you. They got $10,000 put on your cold black head. They'll give $10,000. They mad because you fled. I'm Harriet Tubman, people. I'm Harriet the Slave. I'm Harriet, free woman. And I'm free beyond my grave. I've been walking with my face turned to the sun. Weight on my shoulders, a bullet in my gun. Oh, I got eyes in the back of my head, just in case I had to run. I do what I can when I can while I can for my while the clouds roll back and the stars fill the night, that's when I'm gonna stand up, take my people with me. Together we are going to a brand new home, far across the river. Can you hear freedom calling, calling me to answer? Gonna keep on keeping on, I can feel it. 
Abolition. You just heard the poem Harriet Tubman by Maya Angelou, followed by the track Stand Up by Cynthia Erivo from the movie Harriet. Peace and welcome to Abolition Today, a weekly syndicated online radio program with a specific focus on modern slavery as it is practiced through the 13th Amendment of the United States Constitution and by for-profit prisons worldwide. We air live every Sunday at 7 p.m., 6 Central, and 4 Pacific. Live streams and archived podcasts are available at abolitiontoday.org. My name is Yusuf Hassan. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Max Parthas. Peace, Max. Peace, Brother Yusuf. Uh, I am here at the Paul Cuffey Abolitionist Center in Sumter, South Carolina, just a short distance away from where the Civil War began. Um, and I'm looking forward to today's event, you know, generations of abolitionists. Absolutely. Absolutely. So last week, Max and I wrote letters to the lynchers. We discussed the human cost of modern lynchings under a system of constitutional slavery, the raid and warrant industrial complex, the judge, jury, execution and mentality of police, the death penalty, life without parole, and the systemic oppression of race, class-based incarceration. Well, this week, it's our first uh, anniversary. In fact, uh, we came on the air March 15th. 2020 and so happy anniversary to you max happy anniversary brother 52 weeks of awesome you know i said that on social media 52 weeks of awesome and brother sean darling was like that's an understatement max it's beyond awesome (laughs) yeah Yeah, man it's it's been a long ride we've covered so many top topics in this last uh year and i think it's appropriate tonight's episode you know we know we just passed uh Harriet Tubman Day 2021, where she was inducted into the Military Hall of Fame on March 10th. And on this episode, we are honored to be joined in a discussion on modern legal slavery with Ernestine Tina Martin Wyatt, the great, great, great grandniece of Harriet Ross Tubman. How about that, Max? Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. We're going to bring her in in just a couple minutes. Uh, we just want you know, do as we normally do and give you a quick update on what's been going on throughout the week. But yes, brother, uh, I'm very excited. I'm looking forward to hearing her thoughts on the movement and things like that. You know, uh, it's been a heck of a Absolutely. week, as a matter of fact. Uh, ups Absolutely. And downs, ups and downs have been going on. Uh, I've been very proud to see a lot of the slavery abolitionists out there doing the work. You know, they had the National Freedom Movement. Uh, event just recently and just listening to them all talk about this issue in terms of present tense uh, was just wonderful. You know, they know what they're talking about, how to deal with it. Uh, Also, that's really awesome. I was blessed to have my poetry read by the Patterson, New Jersey Poet Laureate, uh, which is my hometown, by the way, Talina Lachelle Queen. And uh, she read my poem, I See What You Do. Uh, on her mm. podcast or her uh, Zoom uh, thing where she does poetry. It was pretty awesome. I was very honored to hear that indeed. And one other thing, actually it's two other things. I'll go with the the thing was a downer. It's the conversation mm-hmm. that's been going on about Meghan Markle. You know, as a person of mixed descent, I take a lot of that mm-hmm. stuff personally because I'm like, y'all talking right. about my kids and whatnot. You know what I mean? I, I, right. just, I just wish people would spend more time trying to understand race. Just the construct of race before they start talking more, uh, you know. 
And then the highlight was I got to testify in Oregon uh, before the Oregon State Senate on SJR 10, the slavery abolition bill. So that was awesome. I got to actually testify. You know, I dropped my my, my uh, three minutes of, of bull, walked away. The mic was still smoking. <laughs> but it, was, <laughs> it was awesome, man. It was awesome. All right. Well, that's been my week, man. Anything special for you before we bring our guests in now? Uh, so, yeah, not really. Not really. As it, not as it relates to the show. You know, definitely a great week, but nothing related to the show. I will have some announcements forthcoming, though. You know, so. All right. Yeah, we well, rolled on with the show because, you know, we have some great music planned, some um, some poetry, or we even began with the poetry. And I we'll continue this master class. Yeah. We'll continue this master class on modern constitutional slavery abolition, and we'll give uh, some updates on the national movements going on. And then we'll also bring the ancestors' words to life without bridging the gap segment. You know, so uh, just to give a little background on tonight's guest, Miss uh, Ernestine Tina Martin Wyatt is the great 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 grandniece of Harriet Ross Tubman. Like her ancestors, she fought for change through activism and sought to meet the needs of others. In high school, she fought successfully to have African-American history and literature included in her public high school's curriculum. Just as her Aunt Harriet before her, Tina has a long career in nursing as a registered nurse. Tina received a Bachelor's of Art in Studio Art and Art History from the University of Maryland. In addition, Tina earned her Master's of Arts degree in Museum Studies from, the George, from George Washington University. One of Tina's most recent accomplishments is the addition of her artwork to the permanent collection of the Reginald F. Lewis Museum of Maryland African American History and Culture. Tina seeks to promote the legacy of Harriet Ross Tubman. One of the ways is as co-founder of Harriet Tubman Day, Washington District of Columbia, and through the Celebrate to Educate ceremony, she works to inspire and bring accurate awareness of Harriet Tubman's life, her participation in the Civil War, and her life in the nation's capital. In addition, Tina is working on partnering with the Harriet Was Here project of the John Brown Lives organization. So I'd like to give a huge, huge, huge welcome to Abolition Today, uh, joining myself, Yusuf Hassan, and Max Parthas. Welcome, Tina, to Abolition Today. Thank you uh, for inviting me to be a part of your program today and um, and speaking with you and your and your listeners. Well, definitely thank you for being here. So you have a lot going on. You have a lot <laughs> going <amazing>. on. <laughs> and Right. And I think uh, if I would start off with uh, one question, I guess it would be, what is it like carrying the legacy of such a huge figure? Well, I get that. I I, I get that question a lot. Um, mm-hmm. And I can just say that you know what I try to do, and I try to re- I try to uh, promote her legacy and what it is that she stood for. And, and the things that were important to her, and how she connected to me, and and um, and through that, uh, that 
connection right there. It, it sometimes it can put a a lot of weight on you uh, because people want you to be some of everything all over the place um, mm-hmm. and everywhere. But um, but what I do is I I you know I you know I I look at everything at this time in my life first of all through the lens of God and I just try to keep my focus there and and what I'm supposed to focus on and in terms of Aunt Harriet and, and the things that she uh, promoted, her legacy, what was important to her, which was everybody, you know, family, friends, uh, uh, and all those things. But but what I want to say, though, just up front is that, you know, there there's so much that has to be accomplished within our culture, and it's going to take everybody to do their part to be able to do that. So, you know, you might have something over here, I might have something over there, and so on and so forth. And we kind of stay in our lanes, but we also let our lanes overlap in order to make it all one whole uh, uh, push forward. So, I, you know, I guess that's, you know, how I look at it. Well, that's a good way of looking at it. We do the same, uh, but we also look at it through the history, the lens of history, because we know like Harry Tubman, Frederick Douglass, John Brown, Mm -hmm. Sojourner Truth, all of these abolitionists Mm -hmm. knew each other, and they were all uh, working on different levels. So Harriet was doing the Underground Mm -hmm. Railroad. Frederick was handling legislation. John Brown was ready Mm -hmm. to start a revolution. Sojourner Truth Mm -hmm. was getting equal rights for women. And they all right. overlap, but they all agreed on yeah. one thing. And that one thing is right. they knew what they were dealing with, slavery in America, right. like legalized right. slavery right. in America. And they agreed that mm-hmm. they had to do whatever it took to end that. Right. And that's right. where we're at, to carrying that torch right. on, because we know a little bit was left over. And that little bit was yeah. enough to start it all up again. Uh, a little you bit, ever... I, think a, I think it's a lot. <laughs> Uh, it, it, you know, we do like you said, we stand on their shoulders. Right, right. Uh, I remember Ernestine Rose was talking about, you know, if you leave a single seed of slavery, it'll be reborn. And for us, mm-hmm. that seed of slavery was the exception clause of the 13th Amendment, which allowed them mm-hmm. to continue using uh, slavery, but now convict leasing. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the Jim Crow laws that everybody talks about actually had a result. And the result was you would go to prison and end up as free labor. Uh, right. So, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. One of the projects that you're yeah. working on, I'd like to hear about, because it's a lot like what we're doing right here. Uh, that is the Harriet Was Here project. And it says it's a unique exploration of Harriet Tubman's remarkable life of activism and service. Harriet Was Here cultivates a deeper understanding and conversation about the complexities of United States history. It unsettles mm-hmm. the generalities and simplifications about the North and South's relationship to slavery. Could you tell me something about mm-hmm. that? Well, actually, you know, I, I I'm, I'm partnering. I'm one of the small little partners of that of that of that program. It's the John John Brown Lives organization, and what what we have been trying to do is to bring Harriet uh, to the the city schools in order to under, teach them and under, let them understand about what that history was all about. Now, if you, I don't know if, if, if you, if 
you know anything about um, uh, the school systems, but, you know, there's always been what you call the national standard, and all the states uh, at that, at you know, will, will, will take those national standards, and some will have their state standards that they work off of. But it tells you where you should be and what you should be teaching at a certain time at a certain grade level. So with grade four, I think it is, four to five, you're, you're, you're teaching on the Civil War and, 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 and that history and the things that have happened uh, and uh, how that came about, what that was about, and then afterwards, uh, Reconstruction, so, um, which is a very important time. Um, uh, because with teaching your children that, um, uh, they get to know their history, which was not taught to us, uh, in our school systems. I'm from Buffalo, New York, and, um, it wasn't taught to us, uh, where we learned about our history was from our parents and from our churches. Uh, so, uh, in order for all the kids to be able to get that, it has to be included in the school system. So in order to do that, we also try to give, um, because I taught in a museum magnet school for a while. And what we did was we bring, we brought alternative learning, uh, to that school, a method of inquiry and also, um, going into other places because you can't get everything just in the classroom. You have to go outside the classroom into other areas to be able to uh, to teach you in a different way and inform you about other things and to take advantage of that and do it do it through multiple learning styles, through dance, through art, uh, through uh, poetry, through science, through math, and all those different ways that people can learn visually and auditorily and uh, and movement and things like that. So that's what we hope to do with you know, it, with with that program, and, and what happens is you get together with two resident artists who are willing to come in, work with you for a week to help you to produce a song about what you've taken away from what you've learned. And the song is about Aunt Harriet and what she's done uh, in your backyard maybe or or in, 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 in another area. Uh, so that's what that's about, um, and um, it's it's not easy <laughs> to get uh, schools to get involved because it costs money, um, and a lot of school systems don't have the money uh, in order to pay the resident artists, which is only a small fee of what they might get uh, at any other time, but um, still it has to come out of someone's budget. Um, so if you don't have the money to do that, or if you don't, or as a principal, if you don't prioritize that, um, then, you know, you're not going to take advantage of it. And sometimes we don't even see as teachers and um, as principals and uh, administration when we, when there's something that's good right in front of us that will bring uh life to what you're learning, a real-life connection. And that's what museum learning does. It gives you uh, a real-life connection. A real-life connection is very, very important, uh, certainly. 
and also a deeper understanding of the period that you discussed, Reconstruction, specifically in the early years and the transition that occurred from slavery to convict leasing. I remember Professor Jabril Muhammad said that the 13th Amendment is probably the most under-researched moment in U.S. history. It created another uh, what they what did they call it back then, Yusef? It was a a second national constitution. So the three right. Reconstruction Amendments created a second national constitution, and that second national constitution hasn't really been explored by many. So digging deeper is is an excellent idea. And you were talking about the like third graders and fourth graders. Wow, fourth, coincidentally, fourth and fifth graders. Fourth and fifth graders. Yeah, that's just right after the time when they start mm-hmm. deciding how many prisons need to be built based on how many mm-hmm. of them don't actually pass those tests that you were talking about. Mm-hmm. It's right. amazing mm-hmm. the way they have things set up right here. And you know, we've been talking about mm-hmm. Harriet Tubman Day today, all casual and whatnot, like we knew it all along, but I didn't. You turned <laughs> me on to it, and I am so glad that you did. I want to read the announcement mm-hmm. for people, and then you can tell us a little bit mm-hmm. about it. It's Harriet okay. Tubman's Day is March 10th. It says, resolved by the Senate and the House of Representatives of the United States of America in Congress assembled that March 10th, 1990 be designated as Harriet Tubman Day to be observed by the people of the United States with appropriate ceremonies and activities. Uh, that is awesome. Uh, I didn't know. Thank mm-hmm. you for telling me. You want to expand on that a little bit more? Yeah, well, that was a proclamation that uh, President at the time, President uh, George Herbert Walker Bush uh, did in 1990. And um, and since then, uh, you know, the movement has been afoot where, you know, you have many states, many cities celebrating her, her that date uh, in their cities on that date or around that time. And the reason why that date was chosen was because that was the date of her death, March 10th, 1913, and she was 91 years old. Now, we ch- that date was chosen because the birth date was not known, but we knew that it was 1822, but we didn't know when in 1822. So, you know, we threw a midwife a notation, a receipt, or a bill, a bill of sale to a midwife for $2.00. Uh, um, uh, um, according to um, uh, the author Kate Larson, that there was a in the documents there that, that was listed in one of the ledgers that uh, the the owner of the plantation paid two dollars to a midwife in order to um, for services rendered for the birth of a child to Harriet Ritt. Uh, and, her, and they called her Rit Ross. That was the mother of Harriet Tubman. So, you know, we could surmise from that that's that's that that's on Harriet's birth date. Now, that was done on the fifteenth. So we know that anywhere between the time of the first of March and March fifteenth was her birth date. And who knows? She could have died. She could have been born and died on March tenth. So it's very possible. because of that, right, because of that, uh, and like I said about the, you know, people celebrating, uh, each state is doing something, each city was doing something. So I am, I am co-founder 
of Harriet Tubman Day, Washington, D.C., which we received the resolution for that from the city council in February, uh, on February 7th, 2017. And since then, every year what I've been doing uh, has been celebrate to educate because first, just like you said before about our history, our history is very important, and we need to know our history before we can before we can move forward. It, our history informs us about what's what what is important, what we're needed, what we should do it, and maybe even how we should do it or how we should not do certain things. So it's important to know. And what I wanted to focus on, because everyone pretty much knew. I'm not going to say everyone, but. It was known a lot because they talk about it a lot was her self-liberation and liberation of others. But what other people didn't know mostly was her Civil War service and how that came about and what she actually did. Because most people, uh, whenever you hear her account, the, the account that Aunt Harriet performed in the Civil War, it was that she was a laundress, a cook, and a nurse. And there's nothing wrong with any of those things. But I want people to understand and know that because of her reputation that the governor of Massachusetts, John Andrews, asked her specifically to go into the enemy territory in South Carolina and be a spy and a scout and to get that, uh, gather that um, intelligence. And she gathered that intelligence. She analyzed that intelligence. And she made a strategic plan of how to carry that out, the best way that was to do that. And they relied on that because of her history that she had in her self-liberating, where she said, I have, I'm, you know, I, I, I have not lost a passenger yet, on, you know, when yeah. she was going back and forth, because she knew how to hide in plain sight. She couldn't read. She couldn't write. But she was an intelligent woman. She was on fire. She knew exactly what to do. She she was she was she was just uh, ah what what can, word can I use? Um, this woman was she was just heroic. She was very intelligent. Yeah. <laughs> she was just very intelligent. Plus, she was led by the faith of God. She had a relationship with him that she developed a relationship with him. Because I want people to understand that, that, you know, it wasn't just, you know, this specific person. You know, God was looking for somebody, and he saw her. And she could have said no, when she did twice, three times. But then she said, okay, I'll do it. I'm, I'll, 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 I'll do it. And that's what she did. And so with that behind her, her trust and reliance on him, boy, I mean, she accomplished so much in her life. But she went beyond that. She just kept going and kept going and kept going and doing whatever she could do to uh, uplift uplift us and, and uplift the, uh, the oppressed and, and to do all those things that need to be done to make things better for everybody. I sure hope some people here in South Carolina uh, start a chapter of Harriet Tubman Day where we can celebrate it because – uh, that was one of her biggest achievements is 700 people oh, yeah. right here in South Carolina that she helped to free. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to tell us a little bit about it? Well, it was, it was actually, it was um, close. It was 750 or more. And what she did was, like I said, um, and I can't remember uh, the woman that was a, um, she was an Ethiopian 
I think Ethiopian princess, and this was back in the, was it in the 1800s itself, I think, but she was, she did kind of like the, the same thing that Aunt Harriet did. She was, when it came to uh, intelligence gathering and things like that, she was able to do that and analyze it and, and strategize. And they were able to uh, not succumb to uh, being colonized. Um, I think it was by um, Italy, I think it was, um, which was a great deal. So with Aunt Harriet, she did the same thing uh, there on the um, uh, down down in South Carolina. And uh, Frederick Douglass's uh, son, Louis Douglas, said in a letter to his wife, Amelia, he said, guess who I saw down here? He said, I saw Harriet, a captain, mm. a captain over a gang of scouts. And, and, and that's what she was doing. She was leading them, and they went out as well as she did, but they went out amongst the people as well, and they came back with all this information. And she decided, okay, how are we going to use this? So she got, got under the guise of Colonel James Montgomery, um, you know, showed what, what she had and what she thought. And uh, so the, the, the 1863 of uh, May, I think it was May 2nd, oh, I'm sorry, June 2nd, 1863, um, um, they went out on the Combahee River. And she was on, there were three gunboats of Lincoln's gunboats. And she was on the first one. I think it was called the Adams. Um, and one of the boats didn't make it, um, uh, broke down or something like that. So only two actually made it out all the way up the river. And and during this time when she was going up the river, uh, you know, they were destroying because they already knew what they were going to do. They knew what the, what the strategy was, and that was to, 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 to destroy any way that they could make money destroy the plantations, destroy the cotton gins, destroy, uh, uh, find out where those, uh, uh, um, the ammunition was and, and, and disarm all of that. And as they were doing it, she was saying that, um, uh, well, I wish I had the quote in front of me, but essentially she was talking about when she, when she was standing on the boat and she saw people coming running, the slaves coming out come running and then she even saw one woman with a pot of rice on her head and the hot and the uh-huh. rice was still cooking and uh you know i guess she said hey i'm i want to be free but i'm gonna take my food with me you know and keep it and keep running <laughs> you know and uh uh and so you know and one had a baby hanging off of her and and, and uh, i think a pig or something else but she said that you know he wanted her to be able to bring all these people in. They were there, you know, out there in the uh in, 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 in the fields and everything. But what she did was because she said, Well, I don't know them any more than you know them. She said, But what I'll do is, you know, and this is what she does best too, because she did this during the time when she was liberating. She would always come out with a song. And her two songs were Go Down Moses and Bound for the Promised Land. And so when she stood up and she got on the top of the head of that boat and she just sung out. And from what I was told, she has a she had a beautiful singing voice. And and then that's when they all came running, uh, you know, because they could see Harriet. And they all knew who she was. 
you know, so, but they all came running. So, uh, you know, they destroyed, they destroyed that whole, that whole uh, area. And actually there were 300 uh, men with them on that boat uh, that helped. But after that, you know, um, the, uh, the United States Colors Troops, they were formed, I think, a month before that raid happened. And um, and they began to fight in the Civil War. And she knew she that's where she differed with Lincoln right from the beginning, because she knew she said that this would only happen, the Union would only be preserved if you free the slaves and then allow them to fight in the war. So, absolutely, uh, man. You got me over here cheesing just thinking about her. I'm, I'm imagining in my mind, you know, when she showed up on the boat and everybody knew who she was. <laughs> Was, yeah, you know, and I'm thinking, man, she makes Batman look bad. She shows up like I'm Harriet. <laughs> I'm right, Harriet. I'm Harriet. Wow. She was fierce. She was fierce. She, she was, was fierce. She was a tiny I, woman too. She was tiny. She was small. I can also understand the burden personally must bear. Uh, Brother Kenneth Kenneth Morris was here a few weeks ago, and he expressed to us his same sentiments. You know, of. Uh, being expected to walk in the shadow or know everything about something or, you know, I understand it can be a little hard, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, we go through something similar here at the Paul Cuffey Abolitionist Center as my wife is a descendant of the abolitionist Paul Cuffey. So we're trying to carry Uh that legacy forward as well. But in this time where our people represent so many still in cages, like right now we have more black men in cages in the United States than the top, five populated African nations do combined. Uh, There's Mm -hmm. more black men in prison in the United States right now than there are women Mm -hmm. of all races all over the world Mm -hmm. combined. That's just Mm -hmm. crazy to even think about that. And the majority of them are not in there for violent crimes. The vast majority of them are in there for drug-related, addiction-related, poverty-related. And then yeah, they end up yeah. becoming property of the state through this 13th Amendment mm-hmm. where they lose all their rights and humanity. How do you feel mm-hmm. about it, about that? And what is your thoughts on it? Well, you know, now that, you know, you look at the marijuana charges and that's something that has always been unfair. Uh, and now that they legalized it for, you know, for, for the most part, and they're creating businesses. Now they want to, you know, okay, we can change things now. And it's always, what's, what's, what's so sad about it is always it comes down to the dollar. And and what what has always been, and this is the reason why uh, slavery existed so, 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 so well, and that was because of the dollar, the money, you know, of being a commodity. And so once when you know, slavery ended, which is what you were talking about, the 13th Amendment, and having that exceptions clause. Um, You know, I think that when most people, when it ended, most people just said, oh, we're free, we're free, we're free, and that's that's what they focused on. But they didn't focus on the second part of it, which is what you're talking about. And, And the thing is, is that how it's happening right now it happened then. Things were left out. Things were vague. 
so that other things could be interpreted the way that you want to interpret it that will allow you to be able to do the things that you want to do or not want to do. And with that, loopholes were made so that even though slavery ended, they just, uh, it just, it just uh, morphed into something else where called something else, but it was still slavery. And so you have the same thing that's going on now um, with the incarcerating us more for, 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 for crimes that if it was someone else of another race or color, uh, they would get off, um, um, that it would not be, they would not get uh, 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 as, as much time or the severity of it um, and things like that. But uh, it's all about money, and it's all, to me, all about money and all about race, and it always has been. Um, so um, I don't know if I did, if I answered your question or not. Yes, ma'am. Um, because, you know, there's so much to say about that, I'm telling you. <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> uh, That's the reason that this program exists, because there's so much to say about it, and nobody's really talking. So we decided to make this entire program about this issue from every angle mm-hmm. at every episode. We will break down the parts of it, because we're talking about yeah. 156 years of history here. And there's mm-hmm. so little of it talked about. We're recently finding yeah. mass graves where people had been worked to death in convict leasing programs out in Sugarland, Texas, mm-hmm. out in Manhattan, mm-hmm. New York, and places like that. Uh, mm-hmm. And we're unfolding this. We're, we're showing the people the direct connection from chattel slavery to what we call today mm-hmm. as mass incarceration. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and and people understand. It's gotten to the point now, ma'am, I think I might have mentioned this to you. Uh, but we have over 30 states involved in slavery abolition. I think the ancestors would be proud, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, there, That's great. There's got to be something there or we wouldn't have any work to do, you know? Right. That's right. But, you so, know, but that's the thing you were talking about and what that is going on in Texas. And when you read the history, it says convict leasing ended in 1940, pretty much. But yet you, you, you're still seeing... Uh, those kinds of things, you're still seeing money being made off. Uh, you know, it's a loophole, but still it's illegal because of how it's done and and and, and the reason why it's done. So, um, you know, I think yes, that ma'am. I think that the the one thing, and and this is what your your organization is doing, and um and and even an abolitionist group. Uh, that's fighting for to 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 change that. The one thing that I that I that I that I see is that and this is this is what I'm trying to do with what I do, and that is trying to you know you might do it for just just in this area for a little while, but the education of it all, the history of it all, has to has has to be disseminated much more widely. To, so it can reach everybody in in every uh, way, every circumstance. Um, uh, because if it doesn't, then um, you know people aren't going to be alerted to what's really going on um, because certain things won't be talked about in the news. 
or either they'll get a different slant on it than what's really happening. You're absolutely right. Uh, we kind of think that mainstream media is complicit in this issue. Many of their sponsors are people mm-hmm. who profit off the prison industry itself. And so they can't mm-hmm. speak against their own sponsors. And there's uh, news is really controlled by only a few corporations. And they tell them all what to speak, what to say, and what to do. So for us, right. direct education mm-hmm. and independent media have been godsends. Uh, we've really gotten mm-hmm. the word out a lot in that way to the point where they're talking about it all across the country again. Um, it's going to mm-hmm. get bigger by November. In November, we'll have mm-hmm. seven states on the ballot to abolish slavery. So that's going to be a mm-hmm. conversation piece all by itself. Like, why? What? Mm-hmm. Abolish slavery? Mm-hmm. I thought mm-hmm. slavery was abolished. Mm-hmm. What did you say earlier? Mm-hmm. 1940 right. is when they tell you that convict leasing ended, right? But mm-hmm. that depends yeah. on what historian mm-hmm. you listen to. Some say 1921. Mm-hmm. Some say 1928, mm-hmm. when there was a cave-in mm-hmm. in Alabama that killed 145 mm-hmm. black men and women who were mm-hmm. used as labor. Uh, but we yeah. know, like right here in South Carolina, just a few years ago, they were making Victoria's Secret underwear in the prisons, women's wow. prisons, for 28 cents an hour. And right now, wow. they also have prison firefighters that are working for a mm-hmm. dollar a day or two dollars a day. And if that's not convict yeah. then what is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. You know, the, the the thing is, is that, you know, when you, um, when you think about prison and what is supposed to happen in prison um, and how the idea is to bring people, uh, you know, depending on what, it, what has been done or, or, no, or no matter what, um, to so that everybody can be a part of society and uh uh you know contributing to something to society but you know when you look at prisons you you know that they're not they're not interested in that they're not interested in that and see and, and the thing is is because the people that you have in a lot of prisons I'm not saying all of them but a lot of them and there's no room for anyone like this that will uh that's a racist, um, that is corrupt, um, that doesn't have the well-being of who the person is that you're trying to, uh, to, 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 to safeguard because people do need to be safeguarded or to be able to, um, uh, to get them through the time that they're having and to do it more productively. You know, if they don't have any kind of, um, uh, uh, incentive in it, and most of the time the incentive is only money, and then it's it's about let me get as much as I can out of you, uh, and I don't care about anything else or what happens to you or what you do or what you don't do. Um, you know that kind of thing. We 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 have to rid um, ourselves of. And when you go back to, um, I look at I look at everything. From when we were free by uh, the 13th Amendment and going forward, even always already to now, I, there were two things that really pop, that just really pop out at you um, that you can't ignore. And that is, one is <coughs> education, how that was kept from us. <coughs> 
the ability to learn how to read and write, not being able to, not being taught to read and write. And if you tried, it was against slavery laws. If anybody taught you how to do it or tried, and they were could be not, you know, they're, they're white, they would get penalized as well. The second thing uh, is, and this was after we're out of slavery, but, um, and that is the vote, which we're still fighting for, and even education. We're still fighting for those very same things right now. And Mm -hmm. when you talk about changing laws, it was so important for us to understand. When you talk about changing laws, our power that we have, and, and see, white people know this. They know the power is in us being able to read and write. That's why they kept it, try to keep it from us. And the other power is our vote. We are a powerhouse when it comes to voting. And that's why what happened with, happened with this last election, where they thought, oh, no, it's fraud, it's fraud, it's fraud, because so many black people came out to vote. Well, that was the reason why it happened, because we had so many that came out to vote. We, 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 we are a powerhouse where that is concerned, and that's what we need to continue to do if we want to see change about anything. We have to put the people in the legislature, in the Senate, in Congress, that will do the things that we feel are necessary to have done. And if they don't do it, then we have enough votes to get you out. We're with you on that. We have definitely been uh, supporting many candidates who are abolitionist candidates and have introduced legislation and supported legislation to abolish slavery in their states. California just did it last week. Mm -hmm. Oregon did it last week. Uh, New Jersey's working on theirs right now. New York, Vermont, the oldest constitution in the United States that allows for slavery, Vermont. The granddaddy of them all. Yeah, the granddaddy Uh of them all. It's uh, it's a Yes, ma'am. Go ahead and speak. No, I was I was I was, I was uh, astounded. <laughs> <laughs> it is astounding. It's it's epic. You know, when you really think about it, it's, it's in yeah. epic proportions. But I want to uh, share something with you, and I want to ask a question. Recently, you did for Harriet Tubman's Day, celebrate to educate. It was a wonderful event where Harriet Tubman was indoctrinated into the. Uh, in, inducted into the Military Hall of Fame. I, I know you right. were very proud to hear that. Oh, yeah. One of the dancers yeah. and performers and poetries. Yeah. And there was one that really stood out for me. Uh, she mm-hmm. did a rendition of Harriet Tubman's speaking in uh, full gear. gear Millicent Sparks. Who was that? Millicent Sparks. Millicent Sparks. Millicent Sparks. Uh-huh. She's out Millicent of Philadelphia Sparks. and, um, yeah, She's a historical interpreter as well as actress. Yeah. She did an yeah, excellent was... job, I thought, as well. And yes, I took the liberty of taking a small clip of what she said and putting it along with mm-hmm. a song. And I'd like to share that with you, if it's okay. Okay. All right. So I know you had a little problem earlier when you called in. You didn't hear the music that we were playing in the beginning. Uh, right. Did I you didn't hear, hear anything. anything? <laughs> oh, no, okay. huh? I didn't hear anything. Well, listen, I'm going to go ahead and give you a test, and you tell me if you can hear this applause. Yeah. You hear that? Yeah, I can hear that. 
Uh-huh. Okay, awesome. Then I'll go ahead, okay, go ahead and share this music with you and then get your thoughts on it afterwards, okay? Okay. All right. You're listening to Abolition Today here at abolitiontoday.org uh, with Yusuf Hassan, uh, Max Parthas, and today we have the great, great, great grandniece of Harriet Ross Tubman on, Miss Ernestine White. And we'll be right back after this music. Abolition. Abolition. Suppose oh, there's awfully big snake down there on the floor. He bites you. You sent for the doctor. And when the doctor comes to cut out the bite, the snake, he sprang up and bites you again. And then while the doctor cutting that bite, the snake, he rolled on up there and bites you again. And so he keep doing it till you kill him. That's what Master Lincoln Ought to know, he got to kill that snake. And the only way he can do it and win this war is to let the Negro fight. Like roasting pigs. The 
generation of young men dying around you in agony for a lost cause for violent and wicked ideas for the sin of slavery can you hear
Mm-hmm. And he was willing to preserve the union at whatever cost. So if the union, if, if they would come back into the union by, uh, if he would preserve uh, uh, the slavery, then that's what he would have done. Um, but he came around to see differently, just like what she said. You can't give them a part of it. You got to kill the whole thing. You got to kill the snake because if you don't, it'll it'll it'll, it'll just take over again. It'll bite you again, and next time it'll be worse. Absolutely, Frederick Douglass described it as being half slave and half man, half free, uh, con- half free, half free and half slave. Uh, the condition that we mm-hmm. found ourselves in during construction. Hey, I know I asked you to stay with us until 8 o'clock, but I would love to at least ask one more question and then give you an opportunity to say whatever you want to say uh, before Mm -hmm. you leave us tonight. And uh, the question is, you you know, you've already heard my opinion on this and how I feel of it. And and I heard you say (laughs) that what we're doing right now is based on the dollar Mm. and that slavery existed because of the dollar. Those are your words earlier. So I got to ask the question. How do you feel about your ancestor being on the $20 bill? For me, I think it's an honor. And it's not about uh, necessarily about the money, but it's about how, you know, everything has been in the past. Everything has been about the white person and what they've done, white men. White men have, it's been all about them. And, when you look at the money, okay, and all these people that are on there, why is, why are they on there? The reason is is that they put them on there to honor them for something that they've done in order to make to preserve the to 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 make the America the way it is. So why not on Harriet? I think it's even greater for her because on Harriet you keep. You keep hearing about people telling about, oh, we're a patriot, we're a patriot. Well, she was a true American patriot. She was a true American patriot because you know what? She didn't have to go down there and fight. She didn't have to go down and do what she did. She had a bounty still on her head. She could have been taken back into slavery, but she did not do that. She had, uh, she thought of not herself, but what was good for. Uh, what she wanted our country to be, she said, because you brought me here. I'm staying here now. I'm not going anywhere. So that meant she was going to do what she needed to do in order to fight against whatever was bringing us down or keeping us enslaved and keeping us oppressed or anything or anything else like that. So as a person who uh, helped to preserve the union at all costs to her own peril, Oh yeah, I think she. I, I think that's right for her to be right where she is. And the other thing, the other thing about it is this: um, when I look at her being on it, I know, I know that it's not a panacea for what's wrong in America for us. Because I kind of thought when President Obama got elected, I said, "Oh wow, you know, now this is going to happen. Now, you know, now we're going to see this." And but you know what? It got worse because the jealousy. The, the 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 feeling of how dare he how dare he be intelligent how dare he be intelligent with swag and all the other kinds of things that they want to put down uh, um, uh, African American men about so you know her being on that money says to me you know this is a woman that 
help to preserve the union, to help make America better for for us, for our culture as well as for other people, but especially for us. The the that the she uh, um, persevered, that she was determined, that she said that she rose up. Here was an enslaved woman. She showed you how one person can come up and overcome so many things. She had nothing. What she had most of all, though, what most people don't understand is her relationship with God, which took her through everything, which made her so successful. But when you want to look in the natural world, what does she have? Nothing. And that's why God wanted her, because she had nothing. She had nothing. So he does that. That's how he works. And so, but she did great things, and she worked and worked and worked and worked until, I guess, maybe two years before she passed away, that she just kept her shoulder to the wheel and going out and doing whatever needed to be done in order to help wrongs and to, to shine the light on injustices and 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 um uh and on the oppressed. Well thank you. So that's, for how explaining I want, that. that's how I want people to look at it. You know, and I and I and I and I understand your opinion. I you know I respect other people's opinion about that and I understand it, but that's how I feel. Well at this point we have seven people with their faces on uh money and four of them are slave owners or former slave right. owners and the other three are professed mm-hmm. white supremacists. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's kind of weird company that she'll be keeping, <laughs> but it is well, you know what, what it is, right? They look at that, every time they look at that, they're reminded of that, aren't they? I guess it'll they're, make they're going to the strip club pretty uncomfortable. <laughs> when, you, <laughs> when you hit that strip club, you'd be real uncomfortable now. <laughs> you can't be throwing <laughs> no Tubman's out there on the stage, none of that. Uh, <laughs> Tina, I, I really appreciate you spending time with us today, and thank you for sharing some of these stories and your Insights and feelings uh, Much appreciated uh, I'm sure I speak on behalf of all of our audience As well as my co-host Yusuf Hassan Is there anything yeah, that I'll... you would like to share With our audience uh, Where they can help you and your efforts maybe Or find out more information or anything like that Well you know the thing that I would just I you know that You know like my my thing is To keep promoting Her legacy um, and because it, there's no, there's it's no coincidence that um, that she is blowing up as big as she is right now. And when you look to what happened on Wednesday, January sixth, um, uh, that's that's how things happen. It takes just a few people to start something, to to be able to try to take over. And then you have the other people in hundreds and thousands to just be complicit. And that's how things that are that are things that you don't want to happen that are the worst things can happen. And I tell my children, I say, you have to stay vigilant because if you don't think that we can't be taken back to another time, you're you're mistaken. Because all it takes is complicity. And we have so much of that right now, and it's and you can see it in the in in the in the Senate and in the Congress mm-hmm. of the complicity. It's shameful of what's going on. And it so, is shameful. You know, 
you know, so, you know, you know, we have to stay vigilant about it. Keep your eyes open and keep getting history to your children, Sh- sharing the history, um, their history. And I just want to say one more thing. When I was teaching, what really started me thinking about that even more so is when I was sitting in my class, it was at the Martin Luther King, his anniversary, and I was uh, and I was an art teacher, and I was uh, we were talking about uh, Martin Luther King and the holiday and everything, and they were fourth graders, and they a lot of them said we don't know who that is, Ms. Y, and I and I started laughing because I said, oh, you're joking, you're playing with me, and they said, no, 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 we're done. And I just thought they I thought they were kidding me, and then when they really said, no, we don't know, and I said, what? I, you can't, you you can't, it can't be true. And so that's when I, I stopped class, and I got somebody to cover. I went to the phone, and I called uh, WETA, and I asked them. I said, can I have eye on the prize? I want to be able to show that to my class. And so we did that for the next six weeks. We sh- I showed them. We, had, we, we watched eye on the prize, and we talked about what was happening there. So, you know, I, I can't say it enough that we have to talk to our children more and more and more about their history and what happened and because it's still happening. It's still happening. Right. But what is that old saying? Those who do not study history are doomed to repeat it. Doomed to repeat it. Yes. And uh, we are students of history here. So not only do we learn from the success of our ancestors, but we also learn from their mistakes. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. So, can you tell me your 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 wife's um, ancestor again? Paul Cuffey. He uh, he owned a shipping fleet out in uh, Rhode Island, and he used oh. that to help escape slaves get back enslaved people to get back to Africa, as well as financing okay. much of it himself using his own money. He was one of the first, oh. if not the first, black millionaire in America. Uh huh. Okay. We, okay. we don't have none of that money. We don't got none of it. It's all gone. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, 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 I'm gonna look. I'm gonna look him up. <laughs> yeah, Paul Cuffey, C U F F E E, and we dedicated uh, the work that we do here in his name because of him being our ancestor, and we're carrying on these legacies of abolitionists who came before us. We are literally uh-huh. ending slavery in America. For the first time, yeah. not the second time, yeah. for the first time. Yeah. Because if you can't yeah. have abolition with an exception, because that yeah. negates the abolition. Can you imagine somebody yeah, saying, they... you know, we're going to get married, and I promise to love, honor, and respect you, except on Tuesdays? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, see, the reason why that is is because, you know, the, you know how they work those laws to be able to, they made up their own thing about that. They they did that loophole and and decided, okay, this is this is we're gonna we're gonna put you in a fix, so that you can't do anything else but do work for us and keep on working for us. And if you don't, we're gonna throw you in jail, and we're gonna keep you there, and then we're gonna take your kids if you if 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 you if you're not available and and use them as well. So you know it's. You know, I mean, and we still have the same thing going on in different ways. So, yes, and we consider it a crime against humanity, and that's how we're addressing it, so that we can have international mm-hmm. assistance in ending this crime against humanity. It's time for it to stop. Mm-hmm. We are all so weary, and we've got so much blood 
flowing that it's like a river and it's got to stop. Mm-hmm. So thank you so, so much, my sister. You were going to say something? Absolutely. Thank you. Everybody, please vote. Please vote <laughs> all the time, even in the most minor of elections that you might think. Please vote. Yes, sir. You said? Mm-hmm. Yes. Just a uh, tremendous thank you for coming on this evening. Uh, I agree with you with everything you said regarding education is very important. And we know from the other great ancestor, Frederick Douglass, where he told us knowledge makes one unfit to be a slave. So, Mm -hmm. of course, education is the key. And I agree with you on the voting as well. But I thank you very much for coming in. Well, thank you for having me. We're not done for the night, and if you'd like to continue to listen to the program, we have still about a little less than half of a show left to go and some wonderful things that we're going to share as well as news. Um, so if you'd like to continue to listen to we'd be honored that you would be doing that. Mm-hmm. And uh, thank you mm-hmm. once again. And what we're going to do mm-hmm. now is after all of that, thank you know, you. I'm hyped. I'm very hyped right now. I know Yusuf is, and mm-hmm. I know our audience is feeling very moved at the moment. So we're going to take a music break, and when we come back on the other side, We'll continue with abolition today here with Yusuf Saw Max Parthas and today the grand great 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 grandniece of Harriet Ross Tubman, uh Mrs. Tina Martin Wyatt. We'll be right back at the Thank you. Abolition. Abolition. Today. abolition. I need you abolition. to listen abolition. to this particular evangelical what he's saying about you. Now let me say something right quick. I think back on the African-American people in America. I think how they were taken against their wills, put in the belly of ships, brought over here, beat, cussed. Many of them died in the guts of those ships, thrown overboard. They were pulled from families over there. You ain't never heard a gut-wrenching song you hear a black person sing one of those old black Negro spirituals. Nobody knows. I can't sing it like that, see, because I hadn't experienced what they be. When you've experienced hell, it comes out of the voice. I said, when you experience hell, it comes out of the voice. If you're one of those people that you got problem with black people or whatever, you better shut your mouth because they're God's people. You better hear what I'm saying to you. You better shut your, you better shut your white mouth. You better shut your white mouth. I'm not kidding you. I know some of you was raised in the deep south and you was raised by prejudiced people and bigoted people. You better get that out of your system. You better get it out of your system. It'll cause you to suffer right along with those masters. It'll cause you to suffer right along with them. These are God's people. And I know that there's wicked and white races and wicked and black races and all that. I'm not justifying none of that stuff. I'm just saying God knows what happened to the black race. He knows how they wound up over here. And God is going to reimburse the black people for all their trouble and all their labor. You watch what I tell you. Watch what I tell you. Yeah. One night I dreamed I was in slavery. About 1850 was the time. Nothing around to ease my mind. 
that you had in there. I mean, I have to go back to that Killing Snakes, you know, just, <laughs> yeah. just for you to be able to find the Brinkles Blues Band, man. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yo, guts is all it takes for Killing Snakes. <laughs> yeah, and then the follow-up with Pete Seeger. So, uh, 
first of all, what the pastor said, I mean, is absolutely correct. I mean, we're aware of that. And, oh, what was the line? Oh, I had it in my head. It was the line they said in the song. You know, I love quoting, you know, yes. from the songs. Uh, I'll let you speak when I go dig that line. I'd have to find that line. <laughs> okay. Well, first of all, I just want to say um, here in abolitionist, Abolition Today, you just heard the descendant of Harriet Tubman here with modern-day slavery abolitionists talking about what we're dealing with right now in the sense of our ancestral fight. You know, a lot of people out there use the abolitionist uh, likenesses, their images, their words for fights that ain't got nothing to do with what they were about. And we're right. here doing what they did, the finishing the work they started. And those ancestors and those descendants are with us. So, yeah, it, it's it's chilling feeling. You know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like I'm, I'm I'm more connected to history than ever before, you know? Absolutely. So it appears that, uh, I don't know, someone must have uh, uh, stripped the web of all the lyrics to the song. Oh, they they jacked the lyrics. (laughs) So I'm going to have to listen to the song again because it was (laughs) something in the song that I wanted to speak on. She said her name was Harriet Tubman, <laughs> and she wrote catchy, very catchy song. Yeah, uh, you can find all the stuff we talked about tonight, all the music, the news you'll hear, and things like that uh, about Sister Wyatt. Uh, all of that is available at Abolition Today on Facebook. Just go to facebook.com slash abolition today to follow all of that, be able to go more into detail. And also on our YouTube page at youtube.com slash abolition today. And you'll hear all this music. Just click the abolitionist music playlist and get your mind blown a little bit. Because <laughs> we've been killing it with the music and poetry, man. We're killing it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Don't forget to uh, follow us and turn on that notification bell as we drop all kinds of goodies through, throughout the week, not Absolutely. just on Sundays. Yes. Don't forget to like, too, because that has something to do with the algorithms and allows people to be exposed to what we're doing here more and more. Uh, and we're getting the word out. Uh, it's, you know, it's a groundbreaking program that we have here, and we have uh, helped to make some considerable change. Speaking of, there's this contest. Well, it's not a contest. It's more of an award going out for 10 change makers in the United States. And I'll put it on our page so that you can see it. But it's looking for people to nominate uh, 501c3 organizations that have that are considered change makers and they have a scalable project. So like what we're doing, for instance, you know, state by state by state by state abolishing slavery. And they're giving away $5 million, a minimum of 300000 for each of the 10 people who will be awarded this. So uh, consider the Paul Cuffey Abolitionist Center for a nomination, if you don't mind. I mean, we, we had $300,000 over here. Imagine what we could do. So hmm. we'll put that out on the page. So if you want to nominate us, feel free to go ahead. Uh, Yusuf, any other comments? Not on that topic. All right. Um I wanted to share tonight uh, what happened in Oregon, you know, what was said there. Uh, you know, on Harriet Tubman Day, your boy was testifying in Oregon about ending slavery. There were actually three bills. Uh, the first bill that we were there to support on behalf of the Abolish Slavery National Network was mm-hmm. SJR 10, which would remove the exception clause from the state constitution of Oregon. And then there was 
a memorial bill which would support the uh, 28th Amendment, replacing the 13th or negating the exception clause of the 13th. And then there was a third bill, SJ, I think it was SJR 571, which would give Oregonian inmates the right to vote while incarcerated. Uh, so we were in support of all of that. And uh, I feel like, you know, why not share with the people here today so they can hear what their boy Max said in Oregon. You ready for that, Issa? I'm absolutely ready. All right, here you go. This is Max Parthas testifying at the Oregon State Senate on SJR 10. We'll be right back. Abolition. 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 So with that, I'm going to go ahead and uh, take and see if Max uh, Parthas is with us. Yes, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes, sir, we can. If you'll give us your name and then your testimony, that'd be great. Chair Brzezinski. Vice Chair Thatcher and members of the committee. I will be speaking in support of SJM2 and SJR10. For the record, I am Max Parthas, Co-Director for State Operations on behalf of the Abolished Slavery National Network. I would like to begin by applauding the progressive efforts by the great state of Oregon in decriminalizing most drugs, while other states still argue over legalizing marijuana. I find it necessary to point out the irony of where we find ourselves here today. Many hard drugs have been decriminalized and yet literal chattel slavery is still legal in your state constitution as well as in the federal constitution. I would like to state for the record that there is no logical justification for turning a human being into property as a punishment for crime or for any other reason. The exception clauses were enacted in 1865 federally and by two dozen plus states during the 19th century in order to allow convict leasing as a replacement for slavery. We are no longer in 1865, nor are we in 1965. This is the year 2021, and it is long past time that these loopholes for legalized slavery were removed from our nation's constitutions. As a representative for the ASNN and as a U.S. citizen, who wants nothing more than to see these dehumanizing and destructive relics of chattel slavery removed, I stand in full support of SJR 10. We also stand in support of SJM 2 regarding the federal constitution. I would like to take a moment to impress upon you the national scale of this movement to end constitutional slavery. As of today, four states have abolished slavery without exception, Rhode Island, Utah, Colorado, and Nebraska, Twelve states have legislation to remove pro-slavery language in 2021 and 2022. Alabama, Louisiana, California, Ohio, Tennessee, Vermont, New Jersey, Texas, New York, Minnesota, Florida, Florida, and of course, Oregon. Thirteen additional states, plus the District of Columbia and Puerto Rico, are organizing as we speak to do the same by 2022. These mechanisms for race and class-based re-enslavement put into place by actual enslavers from the 19th century must be removed, and it must be done by us in this generation without fail. With God's grace and Oregon's key participation, it will be done. The trees born of these poisonous seeds must be uprooted. To quote abolitionist Ernestine Rose, if you allow one single germ, one single seed of slavery to remain in the soil of America, that germ will spring up 
that noxious weed will thrive and again stifle the growth, wither the leaves, blast the flowers, and poison the fair fruits of freedom. I thank our esteemed committee, the Oregon Oasis Organization, and the citizens of this state who will end slavery without exception. With that, I conclude my comments. Max, thank you very much for taking time out of your day to give us your testimony. Out of curiosity, can I ask where you're calling from? Yes, sir. I am calling from South Carolina. Wonderful. Thank you very much. I hope you have a wonderful day. You're about three hours ahead of us, and uh, hopefully you'll be sending us some more sunny weather. Indeed. Thank you, and God bless. Thank you very much. Abolition. Abolition. Great job, Max. That was uh, Max Parthis testifying before the Oregon Committee, giving his testimony on Senate Joint Resolution 10 in the state of Oregon. That's an excellent job, Max. You know, Thanks, with you brother. being a poet, you were able to say three hours worth of talk within three minutes. So I commend you on that right there. Thanks. And I want to give a shout out to Fat Steve Beats. That was his music, We Are Slaves. He's on YouTube. Fat Steve Beats. Shout out to him. Uh, powerful little bit of music in the background there. But yeah, man, I tried to put as much as I could into as little as I could and to represent the Abolish Slavery National Network at the same time. Um, you know, I want to make sure I didn't put my foot in my mouth or go too far because, you know, I can be extreme. <laughs> so so I tried to put it together as best I could. Um, and hopefully it made an impression. It seems to me, based on the testimony I heard from the state senators and activists, that this thing is going to fly through very easily. And I'm looking forward to Oregon joining the ranks of states who have abolished slavery uh, without an exception. You see. Absolutely. And, you know, because we're we're almost out of time, so I'm not going to read the actual resolution, but we will have it posted on our page. And just remember to go to uh, Abolition Today on uh, Facebook. We'll post it there so they can read it. And so, it is there now. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. <laughs> Real time. Real time. Real time. That's right. So make sure you follow and like so you can see these things pop up as we're talking about them. If they interest you, you can go in deeper and look more for the details. And I would say on the heels of that, I would also remind everyone that the documentary is out. It's called The End of Slavery. It's available online on Prime Video. This was the fight for Amendment C in Oregon. For those who uh, recall, uh, we had uh, Representative Sandra Hollins, uh, Ross, I can't remember his name, and Coletta were all part of a movement out there where they wanted to have the exception clause removed from the Oregon State Constitution, which was successful in this past November's election. And so their journey for having that done has been uh, uh, compiled inside of a documentary. It's called The End of Slavery. And it's available now on Prime Video. So I encourage everyone to go check that out. Oh, yeah, most definitely. If you want to support the abolitionist movement, that's a good place to start right there. Go and get, watch the film. Have a watch party. Invite friends over uh, to take a look at it. It's only 23 minutes long, and it really puts uh, the story of what happened in, in Utah together with our sister, Representative Sandra, uh, as – as, as the heroine of it. 
Sandra Holland oh, definitely well deserved. Yeah. yeah, right. Absolutely, um, they well deserved for them. Yep, it shows what you can be doing in your state and what many others are doing in their state, like California and New Jersey. You know, New Jersey, uh, with Brother Dennis Febo at the lead, uh, had to get their legislation through committee, and it was sitting on their desks forever, and they weren't pushing it forward. So he organized uh, email and phone zap, and boom, now it's in committee. So here we go into the next stage for New Jersey. New Jersey about to end slavery. And their constitution has been changed since the late 1800s. So this is, again, an epic effort in the state of New Jersey. That's just awesome. You know, with, and so, Max, I wanted to uh, – so there, there's this article that we both came across. Just, just to give a picture of, like, how this circle always continues. You know, you and I have been talking about following the money. Yeah, we had the one episode, The Money Machine, where we really broke down so much of how much is going on. As we even heard Miss Tina when she was just on talking about the money aspect, you know, of the of prison. And this is one of the keys of showing how it's still slavery. And so there's this uh, woman by the name of Annette Chambers Smith who was formerly the general manager of JPay Payment Services. Anyone familiar with the prison system, JPay is one of the major companies uh, selling stamps, selling uh, MP3 players, different uh, – I think they sell the video of the visits. They manage the things. money. They have their own credit right. cards. So the person who was the general manager and also at one time as the chief operating officer of JPay has now been appointed as the director of the Ohio Department of Rehabilitation and Correction and is the first woman to lead the department. But, uh, yeah, it's great she's a woman, she's leading the department, but that wasn't the point of why I'm bringing it up. It's the point that she is now the head of the Ohio Department of Corrections. You man, know, so that, when we talk about, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Max. No, man, I'm, my mind is blown. When Jan uh, Kenny, Kenny told me about it last night, she just blew my mind with that. I'm like, wow, this is a blatant conflict of interest. You were the freaking COO of JPay, and now you're in charge of the prisons of the whole state, as if that's not a conflict of interest. Like you're not going to find ways to make money for your friends in JPay, right? You know. And that's how we did inside of the money machine. We showed how, you know, they make sure that they put this themselves in strategic positions to where they can control the commissary, they can control the phone systems, they can control the food, they can control the uh, health care, and all of the money gets circulated amongst themselves. They, they control the transportation services, and it's a real money hustle going on, sort of just See. like how the East India Dutch company and the insurance companies like AIG and all of them were doing back in the 1800s. Very much like that. It's just amazing that this is not considered a criminal act. And they're bragging about it. Like the first woman uh, to be, right. the, you know, run the prisons in Ohio. Like, okay, but there's a conflict of interest here. Like she still has connections, I'm sure, with JPEG. And she's going to be looking out for their best interests 
in order to make those stocks rise. She's probably still got stock in JPay. She probably still right. has ownership as a part of it. You know, that's a conflict of interest. How can you put her in charge of it? But we already know the how. What did the sister Wyatt say? It's all about money, right? It's about that, that dollar right. bill. So, you know, slavery is a lucrative industry. It's an enterprise. And and as attorney Benjamin Crump said this week, he said the whole system needs to be indicted. Yes. <laughs> that's what it is. The whole system. The um, whole, yeah, the whole system. And that's why we address it as crimes against humanity. We don't pick and choose certain parts. Listen, if you wore the uniform, I don't care if you were just making coffee, you're part of the crime. You know, don't tell me about how you only made the gunpowder, you didn't fire the bullets. Or, you know, how you only built the tanks, you didn't run nobody over. You know, you're playing a role in this uh, crimes against humanity. They didn't make those distinctions and, like that in the Nuremberg trials. You know, I was just getting guys. ready to say the same thing. Yeah, the yeah. same exact thing. You you can't just lean on I was just doing my job. Can't do that. Uh, and that's, you know, there was a policeman recently, a brother who committed suicide. And with his last breath, he put out this uh, video explaining why. Like what we're talking about right now, about how – he was helping to destroy his own people, and he was a small cog in a big wheel, but he understood the evil that he was perpetuating, uh, and it just weighed on him too heavily. God rest his soul. You know, another thing that has stood out for me, man, is the money being settled with these killings. Like, today uh, is the anniversary of the sister that was Breonna Taylor who was killed, right? And they settled for $12 million. Right. And also, we just heard that uh, for George Floyd, they settled for $27 million. First of all, I want to know, why is George Floyd's life $27 million and Breonna Taylor's life is $12 million? I don't understand that to begin with. Like, are we negotiating for Gender inequality in death. Yeah, gender inequality still in death. Still in death. <laughs> wow. It's mind-blowing. And, and now that they've done this, I guess they can walk away from it. Everything is all settled. The family has settled. Isn't that the word settled? Settlement. Right. So everything's done. We're all even. Fist bump. Let's walk off uh, together in the sunset. Is that how it works now? And, and it really bothers awesome. me in Louisville because there was never any accountability there. You know. We know that the officers in Minneapolis have been arrested, but these officers in St. Louis have no accountability as to what happened. And None. If, you know, if I'm a taxpayer in Minneapolis or in St. Louis, I'd be livid right now because you're the one that's picking up that bill out of your taxes. You're paying for what happened in those cases. You know, people a lot of times don't want to get involved or they, you know, they push back, oh, this person should have done this or they should have done that. But then they'll be turning around next year complaining when they have a tremendous hike in their taxes or the school board taxes go up or, you know, other local taxes start going up. So this is why. This is when you hear people talking about defunding the police, this is one of the areas that they're talking about. People aren't really talking about get rid of police, but they're talking about have them start being accountable. One, take away their ability to police themselves. That's the first thing, by bringing in these uh, 
civilian review boards. And then on top of it, make make these settlements start coming out of their pension funds and out of their individual pockets, and you will see a tremendous change in policing. You know, so that's that's my thing on that, Max. You know I'll jump up on the soapbox in a minute, but I just only wanted to just put that out there. Well, you already know where I'm coming from. I want to see them on trial for crimes against humanity, not just murdering one person, for crimes against humanity. This is systemic happening. You know, this ain't the first time it's happened in any either of those states, and it won't be the last time. Probably before I'm finished making this statement right now, someone else will die. This show was born on the day that Breonna Taylor was killed. That's when we started right. the show. We didn't even know it, and it happened. And that was you on know? the heels, you know, of uh, Ahmad Aubrey being murdered by wannabe uh, cops. So this is like it's going to continue going on until we do something very serious about this, and we can't change what's been going on still using the ideas of the past the, by the same mentality that made the mistakes. We've got to get our sh together. And we got to do it soon. Right. Lives are on the Sugar, line. honey, iced tea. Right. Like, like right now, Mumia is got COVID, and from what I understand, he's lost like thirty pounds in prison, and he's suffering. Mm. He's already had health conditions, and he's been right. in there for what, forty years, a political right. prisoner. Um, and you know, a lot of people are upset about this, but I just want to point out what I mentioned to you earlier, brother. He's mm-hmm. not the only one that's a political prisoner right now that's been in there for right. decades, suffering at the hands of slavers for things they didn't even do. Or, uh, you know, it's just ridiculous. Brother uh, Stokely Carmichael, uh, Brother Jamil, right? And who so, Imam Jamil, right? H-Rap Brown, you know, and Sundiata Coley. I mean, we can just run down the whole bunch of names. You know, people who have been enslaved since the 60s and the 70s just for doing what you and I are doing right now. I mean, when we think about Mumia, Mumia just, he was a radio show host, and they didn't like what he was saying on the radio. And that was it. I mean, everybody and just they saw set the him up about, uh, you know, Black Judas. Uh, this is this right. what we're dealing with. They, they don't kill you outright. They give you a sentence worse than death. Put you in a cage for 40 years. You know, solitary confinement for nearly right. 40, 40 years. plus years. Like right. How could you do that to another human being, put them in a six by nine box away from humanity for 40 freaking years? But that's the type of uh, criminal injustice system that we're dealing with today. And it's no coincidence that many of these political prisoners are black and brown people. Right. And then we have, as a contrast to that, Max, switching topic just a little bit. So I'm thinking, I'm I'm looking at this murder-for-hire cop, where she's accused of plotting to kill her estranged husband, as well as her new boyfriend's daughter. And all she did was resign from the police force. NY police, uh, NY uh, PD officer, her name is Valerie Cincinnelli, 36 years old, 12-year veteran, all she was required to do was resign. You know, she wasn't arrested. She's not sitting on Rikers Island right now. But yet, she she was part of a murder-for-hire plot. So who's going to guard the guards, Max? Right. Like, How can you uh, pay somebody to murder your husband? And what was it, her, her 
daughter's boyfriend? Her new boyfriend's it? daughter. Her new boyfriend's daughter. And then you get to retire as a NYPD police. That That's how it works now? Because if that was anybody... Yeah, then she can go ahead and get hired by another department. Um, another department. And if you're willing to pay for a killer, are you willing to kill? These are questions that need to be asked. So have you killed anybody? Have you been directly responsible for someone's death that you didn't like? Because apparently if you don't like somebody, you can kill them. So have you been personally responsible? These are questions that need to be investigated before she's able to walk out a door going, oh, let me get my pension and retire. It's it's crazy mm. talk, man. It's crazy. The whole, America needs to be powder slapped right now. <laughs> like the whole country. <laughs> just come from heaven, way back in Mississippi style. You know, just a haymaker with a big handful of powder, just pow, the whole damn country. <laughs> you know, and... I, I see this other article here. Drones with most advanced AI ever coming soon to your local police department. So Max, it claims to be shipping the most advanced AI-powered drone ever built, a quadcopter that costs as little as $1,000, which can latch onto targets and follow them, dodging all sorts of obstacles and capturing everything on high-quality video. Skydio or Skidio claims that its software can even predict the target's next move, be that target a pedestrian or a car. Who do you think of that, Max? I think it's just a matter of time before they put guns on the end of them. Uh, I know the military's mm-hmm. already done it, and it's a, only a matter of time before here in the United States you start seeing these autonomous drones with some type of weapon attached to them for when you don't comply or you try to run away. Because they're being programmed by the very same people that shoot you in the back for running. So, you know, right. this racism translates into the program. And also, it's a huge violation of the Fourth Amendment to think that these things are flying over your head somewhere, scanning your face, maybe using some type of technology to be able to read the cards in your wallet or in your purse. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's illegal search and seizure. So it's a blatant violation of the Fourth Amendment. Uh, it, it's not much different to what they're doing in California right now, where police cars are equipped with technology that allowed them to read license plates and scan them and faces as they're driving. Right. Uh, which is, again, right. a violation of the Fourth Amendment. Violation of the Fourth Amendment. When you got crimes against humanity happening and there's a constitution like we have, the first indication you'll find of a crime against humanity will be the violation of their rights. So that's what they got to do in order to commit a crime against humanity. So you'll need to violate the Fourth Amendment, the uh, Sixth Amendment, the Eighth Amendment, the Thirteenth, Fourteenth, and Fifteenth Amendment. All these things need to be exploited in order for the crimes against humanity to occur. And this is why we want people to continue to address this as such, crimes against humanity, and to use, in legal terms, badges and incidents of slavery as the mechanism that we can use through Congress in order to address these Crimes against humanity. Absolutely, and it has to be called slavery. I think the the last portion, the last thing I'll bring up is uh, sociologist Reuben Miller, where he used all of these alternative words, you know, uh, mass incarceration, uh, pariah class, alternative form of citizenship, and you know, I, I love what you wrote up on that. <laughs> so. You said, I'm overdosing on metaphors and synonyms right now. Just call it slavery and get on the right side of history. 
Read the 13th Amendment. That explains how the duly convicted lose their citizenship and rights. It also explains why there's a thing called mass incarceration. These types of conversations are needed, but the process of identifying the issue correctly is sorely lacking. It is, man. And, you know, this was on Amapur and Company. You can find it on our page as well. You know, I just Mm -hmm. mentioned her earlier because she had Khalil Gibran Muhammad, Professor Khalil Gibran Muhammad on, who explained to her clearly that the 13th Amendment allows for legalized slavery. And she listened so aptly, and she asked a few questions, and she understood without a question. And then she has another guest that comes on, and he starts calling it all of these things like you just made them up out of thin air. (laughs) Mass incarceration, pariah class. Listen, uh, it created a pariah class. That's a yeah, man. <laughs> what what like, the hell does any of that mean? And she should have given him pushback, but we know it's should've. all about a paycheck for her. It's a paycheck. Right. It's, you know, having viewership. You know, I can't hate on the brother because he was right on point about what's happening. But as I said, it's identifying the issue correctly. It's, it's, it's just not working well when you got to make a word up. If you have to make a new word up to describe something, that means you probably haven't you done your homework about the issue, because you're just making up names for it now. You know? Yeah, a pariah Co- class. I got to remember that one. Class. <laughs> so, it, it Max, we're kind of we're, we're we're really out of time right now. Uh, ordinarily, we would even mention the sponsors. I'm, you know, we thank our sponsors. We're gonna save we time. We're not gonna we mention them this week. It's our anniversary. We have time. Do that. Yeah, and yes. The bridging the gap is only eight minutes long, so we got two minutes extra. Okay, Go ahead, awesome. Do it. I've mentioned our sponsors and partners, Jailhouse Lawyers Speak. I am We Ubuntu Prison Advocacy Network, uh, Sama Urge, Quakers Uplifting Right to Racial Justice, the Paul Cuffey Abolitionist Center, Prismatic Dreams, and the Black Talk Radio Network. So I just want to finish out with just one little quote. Max, I thought it was, is, we heard it earlier this evening in a clip, and I want to just uh, repeat it, and it's from Harriet Tubman. She said, I had reasoned this out in my mind. There was one of two things I had a right to, liberty or death. If I could not have one, I would have the other. For no man should take me alive. Of freedom, keep going. If you hear the dogs, keep going. If you see the torches in the woods, keep going. If they're shouting after you, keep going. Don't ever stop. Keep going. If you want to taste freedom, keep going. And I felt keep as though going. she was talking directly to us, man. Keep doing. Keep going. Keep, keep doing. Keep we're doing. Going. Word, brother. Uh, I want to say thank you to our guest, uh, Sister Tina Martin Wyatt, who came on tonight and shared her thoughts with us about modern slavery and human trafficking through the 13th Amendment, as well as the projects and ideas and things that she's working on. Uh, I want to thank our Listeners, it's been a 52, year, uh, 52 weeks of awesome. You guys have supported us all the way through it. Thank you so much. Some people have never Absolutely. missed a single broadcast, man. Right. Uh, so we, we really, really appreciate you. And thank you for sharing this so other people can learn and hear and understand. Um, so And thank you, Yusuf, for standing side by side with me throughout these past 52 weeks, getting it done, brother. You know, look, I, I appreciate you pulling me into this project, man. I was, you know, a little uh, nervous that I wouldn't be able to make it every week, <laughs> you know, because you know how my weeks go. But I'm glad I'm here and I'm looking forward to many more years. You said 52 years. 
It may have been a Freudian <laughs> slip, but that's how long we're going to be doing this, man. No, 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 bro. If I got to do this for 52 more years, something wrong. We done, we done screwed up yeah. somewhere. Yeah, we screwed <laughs> up somewhere. <laughs> we done screwed up somewhere. We got to – let's do this. Let's hope we – let's not hope. Our plan through the Abolish Slavery National Network – is to get this over and done with legally in the next four years. That's our plan, to see it done in this Amen. lifetime. Uh, so, Amen. you know, with God's Amen, grace, brother. we're good at done. And if the ancestors smile on us and God makes a way, we're going to get it done. But that's the plan. Amen to that. So and to all the listeners. To, I would love to say oh, this I'm is sorry. our final show one day. Slavery's over, and now we got to work on building our communities. And, we yeah, we do something else at that point. So we just want to remind everyone, remember to subscribe to our YouTube page for all the news, information, and music you hear on the program, youtube.com slash abolition today. Also remember to join the movement at abolishslavery.us to become a part of the solution. We'll be back on March 21st with another masterclass on slavery abolition. Don't forget to tune into Live from the Plantation Thursday nights at 7 p.m. Central. As always, we bring the voices of our ancestors back to life. This week we bring you Cicely Tyson from her role as Harriet Tubman and a woman called Moses from 1978, followed by What More Can They Do by Laura Isabor from the Four Colored Girls soundtrack. Until next week, think about abolition today. Peace be upon you, Max. Peace be upon our listeners. Peace be upon you all. Peace. Abolition. Abolition. Today. We are here this afternoon to put to shame the fugitive slave law. This law what says that a state slave found in Boston, Philadelphia, or anywhere is the right and property of the slaveholder and can be chartered back like bondage. This is an unchristian law. It is against the will of God. I hear that the politicians down in Washington, they are saying that the escaped slave wants to go back to their slave market. Well, now, anybody got any kind of sense knows that them politicians is lying like dogs. I mean, you know anybody wants to be a slave? You show me a slave like that, and I show you a crazy man. Sue? Mr. William Steele. Brother Garrett Smith done told us this afternoon, your Congress and your President Fillmore, by giving us this fugitive slave law, sold the country, and they sold to the devil. Anybody here got any questions about what I'm Saying here this afternoon? What's fair compensation for a slaveholder who's lost his slave? The state.
prisons. I say go back to Africa. Don't you sit down. You stand right where you is, mister. I got something to say to you. Africa? Well, I would say as much too late for that. Your shackles and your chains done rooted up here too deep. So deep. We is more rooted than your cousins what sail the seas and slaughter the engines away. I want to ask you something. Who is it you think mostly builds the South? That's right. Awesome. It was our hand which mostly pushed back the trees and made the things to use and grow. Our hand. Negro's hand. That's right. I'm going to tell you something, mister. My people's gave to this land. Fought for this land. Belongs to this land, I say. Love this land. And it's on this land where we're going to be free. I've been dragged across the desert in my bare feet. With no food or water. We know where to sleep. Been ridiculed and abused. Wrongfully accused. What more can they do to me? What more can they do to me? I've been locked up with no reason. With no reason why. After looking straight into my enemy's eyes. Been stripped from my head to my toe. Nobody seems to know. What more can they do to me? What more can they do to me?
the desert in my bare feet With no food or water, with nowhere to sleep Abolition, 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 abolition.